Good morning, Impact City Church. Amen, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, let's just uh, let's go straight into the, the scriptures and then we can take our seats. So if you go with me to the uh, first book of Kings in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We're so glad that you chose Impact City this morning. For those watching online, we thank you for streaming us or the church channel. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. Uh, it should be on the screen. If not, uh, you can follow along in your, your Bibles or the Bible app, however you prefer this morning. And it reads like this. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21 says, So he departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go, go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Lord, we just thank you this morning for this opportunity. We thank you, God, for allowing us to come to this place. Lord, we, we pray that you would meet, meet us here in this place, Lord. That we would be receptive to your spirit, Lord, that you would open up our hearts and, and our minds to, un, to understand your word this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would use me to, to share what you've given me this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. It's good to, to be in the house. <clears throat> and uh, as Pastor John was saying, we're at the beginning of a series entitled Heroes. And last week we heard about the story of Noah and, and how just one person can make a difference, right? And how if God called you to it, he'll, he'll bring you through it. And, and how we can co-labor with God on earth. And so there were so many practical points that were extracted from the life of Noah. And, and I know that it blessed us, even us who have been in church for a long time. Sometimes it takes fresh eyes or a different perspective or looking, looking at it from a different angle that we learn some things. And, and so today I kind of have the mission to, to stay on that level that that pastor set from last week, and so I hope that we can do justice. And I was telling Pastor John, I said, why am I having such a hard time picking a hero? Like, there's so many in the scriptures, and especially, again, like growing up in church, we've heard of, of countless of characters and stories of the Bible, and, and then there was just this one that I kept coming back to, and Elijah, and Elijah, and so really what we're talking about this morning, it's just those two verse, those few verses that we read at the beginning, but that we, we can extract so much from just the beginning part of his journey. And so I want to use the story of Elijah and Elijah. Don't get them confused. Elijah and Elijah as the foundation of what it means to risk it all for the future that awaits you. And everything we, we, we will talk about again, just the, the verses that, that we read. Because truth be told, the future belongs to those that are willing to risk it all. Not some, but are willing to risk it all. But as you go forth into the future God has for you, the purpose that God has for you, you will realize that there's a price to pay. 
Amen. <laughs> There's a price to pay. And someone has to be willing to pay the sacrifice so that others can partake and join in in that journey. And you'll quickly come to find out that not everyone is willing to pay the price. It's saying to God every single day, not my will, but your will be done. And, but you must know that the rewards of paying the price are so worth it. When you see others enjoy their journey with Jesus, when you see others break through their past, when you see, when you see with your own eyes the transformation that Jesus has done in the people you converse with on a daily basis, it is an incredible feeling to know that you were able to play a small part in the grand scheme of things. And I believe it was John Wesley who said, set yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Elijah. And if I had a subtitle, it would be fire for the future. Because where God wants to take you, where God wants to take us, we're going to need fire for the future. And what is sort of strange is that Elijah kind of appears in the scriptures out of all of a sudden, out of nowhere. We don't know much about his family or his upbringing. There's nothing about his childhood of his journey into adulthood like there are some other people in the Bible. What we do know, though, is that he has land and oxen to plow the land that he owns. And his name is Elijah, which by the way means God is my salvation. And you must know that in those days, owning land was a big deal. You had to be at a certain level of wealth to own land. And Elijah owns land. But he doesn't just own land, but he also owns oxen. Elijah, my friends, was a very wealthy man. He doesn't just own a pair of oxen, but 12 teams of oxen, and he is working one of them. He wasn't just wealthy, but he was strong enough to handle the oxen. Elijah's doing, doing pretty well for himself. Elijah had a career. Elijah had a future. Elijah was well off. Elijah was working when the prophet Elijah stops by and throws his coat or his cloak over him and continues to walk. Which got me thinking a little bit. Have you ever noticed that God isn't really interested in your agenda? Like, God is not asking you, hey, what does next week look like for you? You have any free days next week so that I can bless you so that you can bless someone else? He's not interested in our agenda. He's interested in our availability. Amen. Elijah is working. He's busy plowing the land that he owns. And all of a sudden, his life's plans, his life's goals, his life's agenda is interrupted. And the reality is we hate interruptions, don't we? We hate interruptions. We don't handle interruptions as pleasant as we think we do. And somebody say amen. When you're watching the game of the century or the fight of the century or the novella of the century, come on, the wedding of the century, and your regularly televised program is interrupted by the most annoying sound in the world ever created, ever, and on top of that, colors that are, are no particular order, they're just kind of thrown on there as if to say, I know the sound is annoying, but enjoy these colors while we interrupt the program that you've been waiting to see. 
see, we hate when we're having a meaningful conversation or a meaningful argument and someone interrupts you. We, we lose the Holy Ghost when we're driving while listening to K-Love and, and enjoying the beautiful scenery God created. And all of a sudden you are interrupted by a speeding demon that cuts right in front of you and interrupts your flow. Are you with me this morning? The speed you were driving at is now interrupted because now you have to break. And if you were singing along to the song, that is now interrupted and now you're out of rhythm and now you're out of tune or maybe you just never were in tune. We hate interruptions, but it seems as though God likes to interrupt our agenda, our life's agenda. Or could it be that what we see as an interruption is really an invitation from God to the future that we have dared not even dreamt of. Is it an interruption or is it an invitation? Elijah wasn't interrupted as much as he was invited to the future with God to do the unthinkable. Job 33, 14 says this, For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it, doesn't get it, doesn't grasp it. Which begs the question, how many times have we confused an invitation from God with an interruption from God? And Elijah throws his coat over him and continues to walk. But Elijah understands what this means. Elijah understands what just took place. And he tells the prophet Elijah, let me go kiss my father and mother. Let me go say my goodbyes. And I love Elijah, the prophet Elijah's response. Go back. What have I done to you? See, Elijah didn't say a word. He didn't tell Elijah, come follow me like Jesus did to his disciples. He simply placed a calling over him. And it was up to Elijah to accept it or reject it. Okay. It, all he did was invite him on a journey that would be remembered for centuries to come. But it's important to know that Elijah doesn't stop and wait for Elijah. Elijah doesn't stop and wait for Elijah. See, because what was going to happen was going to happen with Elijah or without Elijah. God is always moving forward. God is always moving forward. God is always moving forward. And it, is up, and it is up to us to step into what he is already doing. See, I feel the mistake we make many times is that we sit waiting for him to do something that we like. That, 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 that's close to our agenda that caters to our liking. So then, that, then we can jump in on the wave and join the wave. And if you do that... You'll be left sitting for the rest of your life waiting for that wave to come. See, I think most of us want to step into the purpose God has for us. We want to be a difference maker in this world. We want to live a meaningful life. We want to wake up every day with a purpose. We want God to do something amazing in our lives. But we're so busy holding on to the past that we don't have time to step into the future. We have our ideas and our goals and our careers and agendas full to capacity that we don't even have time to follow Jesus. And I wonder if some of us are so busy with our lives that if God invited you today to do something incredible right now, you would have to decline. Because you don't have time to step into the extraordinary because we're so consumed with our ordinary lives. 
See, some of us need to set our past on fire because it's our past that is burning away our future. And for some of you, there are flammable material in your past that you need to set on fire. Flammable material like bitterness. Flammable material like resentment and anger and jealousy. Those are the things that need to be set on fire once and for all. But strangely enough, that wasn't the case with Elijah because most of the time when we speak of the past, it's usually associated with negative memories or bad experiences, experiences and failures. But Elijah didn't have that. Because as far as we know, he wasn't a failure. His past was a success, and he, he wasn't being held back by his weaknesses and mistakes and pain. It was actually the life, the successful life that he was living, that was holding him back from the life that he could have. And if you think that failure is hard to, to, to burn up and walk away from, try walking away from success. Are you with me this morning? If you think it is hard to walk away from poverty, try walking away from wealth. Because you know what will steal your future sometimes? It's not that past that you need to be set free from because it was so painful. It's that past that you need to be set free from because it was so good to you. You have to set it on fire. See, Elijah literally sets his past on fire. Where Elijah was going, he needed the fire for the future. And he went back, the scripture says, and he burned the oxen and the plow. Essentially, Elijah is saying, I'm willing to risk it all. I'm giving myself no reason to come back because now I have nothing to come back to. I'm risking it all. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking, whoa, 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 Elijah. Sell the, the oxen, right? Sell the plowing equipment. You're going to need the resources for the future. Do you know how much plowing equipment sells for? Me either, but I know it's, it has to be a pretty penny. Or do you know how much you can sell oxen for on eBay? Me either, but I'm pretty sure it's a pretty penny. He burns the wood from the plow to cook the meat to feed the people. He takes the wood from the plow and he turns it into an altar. He literally sets his past on fire. Elijah got rid of any disruption that he could have in the future. Are you with me? Elijah had decided to follow the prophet Elijah without a plan B. He was all in. See, I think some of us have a plan B while we're trying to work plan A. But ironically enough, God is plan B. We're busy doing our life and occasionally we'll slip in to see if what God has for us is attracted, attractive enough for us to pause our plan A and slip into plan B for a few moments. But Elijah was a man of success and he knew you cannot succeed if you have a plan B because you will always fall back on plan B when you know you have a plan See, I wonder what it is in your life that you just keep holding on to and it keeps on holding on to you. I wonder what it is that God is saying, just take a match and set it on fire. 
See, Elijah decides to leave it all behind and follow the prophet Elijah. See, we're not told where he was going. He wasn't given a map or a set of instruction. Where he was going was going to require to literally walk by faith when you know everything. Where everything is at, you don't need faith because you already know. But faith is forged in the foreign, not in the familiar. Faith is forged in the foreign, not in the familiar. I have to stop here and ask the question, have we gotten too comfortable where everything, with everything in our lives and everything around our lives that everything is familiar to us? Because if everything is familiar to us, then faith is not needed to survive. And if faith is not needed to survive, then we must not be living the life that we were created to live. Hebrews 11:6, you know it, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, Elijah steps into the unknown, into the foreign, but it would be in the foreign that his faith would be forged in. He cooked the oxen and he invited people to come and eat as to celebrate his sacrifice to follow Elijah. So whose life is being impacted by your sacrifice, by your gift, by your talents? Or, or are you still eating off the sacrifices of others? I'm grateful that I've been able to eat off the sacrifices of others. But there has to come a time in your life where you allow others to eat off of your sacrifices. Where your life becomes a gift to others, where, where calls of distress come at midnight and you have no desire to leave the comfort of your home, but there on the other side awaits a soul that needs comforting and assurance that life isn't over and this overwhelming feeling of despair is just temporary, where you get a text from someone and they just need to know that you still believe in them and that they're not crazy. And when you hear three words that have the power to shake the foundation you've been standing on, can we talk? But they go to you because they're not looking for a quick fix or a pick-me-up. They go to you because they want to hear the truth, even if it hurts, even if it's the complete opposite thing that they want to hear in that moment because friends that want you to succeed will tell you the truth. Because lying will give, will have you in your feelings, will have you feeling right, but truth will set you free. And see, for some of us, we would rather be stuck in our feelings than to be set free. So let me ask you, is your past an anchor or is it an altar? Is your past an anchor or is it an altar? Is your past holding you back from stepping into what God has for you? Or are you using the past materials as Elijah did to create your future, are you using your past pain, your mistakes, your failures as an excuse to not step into what God has for you? Or are you using your past successes, your wins, your victories as an excuse to not step into what God has for you? Perhaps that's why some of us hold on to people, places, and things that aren't good for us anymore. We want to stay in those moments of our lives where it seemed like everything was okay, where we felt alive, loved, and fulfilled. You're afraid. I get it. You're afraid. You're afraid. That all you have left is the victories, the wins, the successes, and the happiness of the past. You actually think you don't have any victories in your future. 
You really believe you'll never experience joy like you did before. And we have bought into the lies that success will never come into our life again. And so we might as well deal with what we have the way we, we know how. You actually think that love isn't in your future anymore. So you might as well settle for whatever is thrown your way. That the person that was once your soulmate has become your cellmate because you feel confined to the past memories, the past experiences, the past failures, the past mistakes, the negative words, the suffocating atmosphere created by anger, frustration, and distrust. That no matter what you do, a six by eight area is what you feel like you are living in. But can I tell you this morning that you don't need a soulmate right now. And a soulmate doesn't have to be your way of life. That through Jesus, you and I have a helpmate through the Holy Spirit that is our comforter, that is our teacher, that is our deliverer, that is our advocate, that is our strength, that is our redeemer. That he is the restorer of all things. Because more than a soulmate or a cellmate, some of us, what we need right now in this moment of our lives is the helpmate from above is your past an anchor or is it an altar because if you think your past is your best future you're you're already done game set match but no matter what has happened in your past no matter how much God has done in your past no matter how much you failed or succeeded no matter what you have accomplished let me tell you it's not worth losing the future God has for you and maybe you're thinking, but God, I've already done that. I've already sacrificed. I've already had faith. I've already served. But Elijah set to follow Elijah and became his servant. And that's the way God works, doesn't he? Every time God wants to move you up, he calls you to step down. Every time God begins to expand your influences, to turn you into a greater individual, to make you into a more powerful leader, God calls you to become a more powerful servant. Elijah could have very well said, no, thank you, sir. I'm doing just fine. My life is great and my business is growing and I have plans to venture into this other business in the near future. Why should I leave all of this and become a servant of Elijah? See, there are some of you here that your past is an anchor and it's holding you back and it's time to turn it into an altar. It's time to turn it into an altar because your past isn't an altar until you have decided to set it on fire. And the idea of an altar in scripture is not just for us to build an altar for us, you and me to be, but for us to be an altar in our lives be the sacrifice that we offer to him. On a daily basis. See, I think of the words of Jeremiah when he says that when I try to not speak of you, your words are like fire. Shut up in my bones. They're trapped within me. And how many of us have said to God, I'm done. No more. Next chapter. But there was always something inside of you. A fire trapped inside of you. See, where Jeremiah was going, he needed fire for the future. Where Elijah was going, he needed fire for the future. And where God is taking us, we need fire 
for the future. And Jeremiah is really saying, I am on fire and I cannot contain it. God, you burn inside of me, inside of my soul. You're all that I want. You are better than the things that I've been chasing. You are my joy in the trials that I'm facing. You're the peace to my storm. You're stronger than my addiction. You're my help in time of need. You're my comfort in time of affliction. See, sadly, some of us make self-destructing choices that we keep burning up our own future. We self-sabotage ourselves. We would rather set ourselves on fire in all the wrong ways than to let God do something new by letting, letting go of the old. Because if God can't trust you with your past, how can he trust you with your future? And it's time for some of us, some of you, to light the match and set your past on fire because when you let God set you free from the past, he uses fire from the altar to light the way for others. Psalms 104 verse 4 says, The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. Your past has value when it is placed in the right hands. Flames of fire are his servants. As I come to a close this morning, there's this verse in scripture that is so powerful that I could not end this message without sharing it. And it's found in Genesis chapter 35, just two verses. Genesis 35 verses 20 and 21. And it reads like this, verse 20. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar. And to this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. And the beginning of verse 21 says, Israel moved on. Verse 20, over the, her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar. And to this day, that pillar marks Rachel's tomb, his wife, Rachel. Verse 21, Israel moved on. But aren't Jacob and Israel the same person? Yes, they are. Something took place between verse 20 and 21. You all know this. Jacob represented the past. Israel represented the future. A decision was made between verse 20 and verse 21. Timeline, we don't know. But Israel had decided to set his past on fire. He saw it as an invitation and not an interruption. He didn't ignore the feelings. He didn't ignore what just happened. The love of his life is no longer with him. The mother of his children is no longer part of their plans. But Israel has enough faith to see this moment as an invitation, as heartbreaking as it was, as painful as it was, as difficult as it was. Jacob sets up a pillar, a memorial. A tombstone for someone he loved dearly. He doesn't ignore the fact that the loss was real. That he, he doesn't act like it didn't matter to him. He didn't try to minimize the tragedy. He mourned the loss of his loved one. Verse 21, Israel moved on. 
And we are all sitting right now in verse 20. We have all endured losses in our lives, regret, pain, frustration, and heartbreaks. But we have a decision to make. Does Jacob the past in your life stay in the losses, the regret, the pain, the frustration, and the heartbreak? Or does Israel, the future, in your life, gathers enough faith to move on? Will we continue to see things as interruptions or as an invitation? Will your past be an anchor or will it be an altar? Does Jacob dwell in mourning or does Israel decide to move on? Because inside of every Jacob, the past, there is an Israel, the future. Inside of every Jacob, there is an Israel. And Elijah would rather step into the unknown than to live in the routine, in the mundane, in the ordinary. Elijah was so on fire that even when he dies and all that is left are his bones. When the Israelites throw a dead man's body into Elijah's tomb, the dead man came back to life. <laughs> May that be said of us, that when dead things, dead situations, dead circumstances come in contact with you, that there would be so much fire, so much life, and so much light that the dead thing has no choice but to come back to life. That when it's your family member coming to you because they know you know about God, and everything in their marriage is dead, everything in that household is dead, that there would be so much life and word in you that, that through that conversation, life is transmitted to them. When that co-worker has been thinking of ending their life and they have one conversation left and it's you that they want to have that conversation with, that there would be so much love, so much fire inside of you that as that conversation happens, the person is reminded that they are loved, that it doesn't have to end this way, that there is still hope, and that someone was, someone saw them so valuable that they chose to take their place for them. Some of us need to set our past on. And as we do that, we light the way for those that are coming behind us. I'm asking you to bow your heads. There's this song by an artist, I won't say the name, but I was reading the lyrics 
I think some of us feel like, the, like this in certain moments. And it's called pray. It says, I'm young and I'm foolish. I've made bad decisions. I block out the news, turn back my back on religion. Don't have no degree. I'm somewhat naive. I've made it this far on my own. But lately, it's been, it's been tougher. I lift my head and the world is on fire. There's dread in my heart and fear in my bones. And I just don't know what to say. Maybe I'll pray, pray. Maybe I'll pray. I have never believed in you. No, I'm not going to pray. You won't find me in church or reading the Bible. I'm still here and I'm still your disciple. I'm, I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you, please. I'm broken, alone and afraid. I'm not a saint. I'm more of a sinner. I don't want to lose, but I fear for the winners. When I try to explain, the words run away. That's why I, I'm here today and I'm going to pray. Maybe I'll pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. Maybe I'll pray, Lord. Maybe. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you. No. But I'm going to pray. Won't you call me? Can we have a one-on-one, -on -one, please? Let's talk about freedom. Everyone prays in the end. Everyone prays in the end. Won't you call me? Can we have a one-to-one, -one, please? Let's talk about freedom. Everyone prays in the end. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Pray for a glimmer of hope. Maybe I'll pray. I've never believed in you, but, but I'm going to pray. And Elijah had enough courage to follow the voice of the Lord. And he got rid of all the distractions. And today, God removes all the distractions. He comes by like Elijah did, and he drops the coat on you, the calling on you. And the decision is yours. The past is there, but will it be an anchor in your life, or will it be an altar for your life? And Lord, I pray for every individual in this place, God. For the Elijahs that you will call out this morning. And for the Elijahs, God, that see something in the people. Lord, that we would not hold ourselves captives by the past. Or confined, Lord, to the bad season or even the good seasons, Lord. But that as Elijah teaches us that it's so worth stepping into what you have for us, despite how good life has been or how horrible life has been to us. It's not worth losing what you have for us. So this day, today, Lord, give us the strength to set our past on fire. That it will no longer be an anchor, won't longer be an excuse, but it will be an altar, Lord, a living sacrifice. The flames are your servants, God, and we want to be servants of you. So I pray for the people, God, that are making that decision, pivotal decision, Lord, to set their past on fire once and for all. That the Jacob mourns for the losses. The Jacob cries. The Jacob weeps. Jacob is still trying to 
gather up the pieces of their broken heart. But verse 21 is coming to pass this morning. Israel moved on. And I pray this morning that after today, it would be said of us that we moved on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And I know God is, has spoken to some, some of you. And maybe right now there's a struggle. It's the Jacob. It's another wrestling match. It was Jacob and the angel of the Lord. But now it's a Jacob and Israel struggling within you. Saying, no, the past is, was better than the future. The future doesn't look too bright. But the, the Israel in you is saying, no, it's worth it. So I'm going to give you some time to, to, for you to make that decision. And I asked the altar workers if they would help me this morning. They would take their place. And we want to pray for you. Because I know sometimes the past is the, the key that holds us back. It's the, the anchor that pulls us back. And we feel like we're finally breaking through this thing, this addiction. And then it yanks us back. And there we go again going in circles like the people of Israel. So I'm asking you to bow your heads because I know I'm praying that you would have enough courage this morning to make that decision to leave the Jacob behind and step into your Israel season, to leave the past and step into what God has for you. No more excuses. If you want to make that decision to follow Jesus fully without knowing the details, it'll come. But today you say, I want to give God another chance in my life or, or for the first time, I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you come this morning? Will the Israel in you come this morning so we can pray with you and celebrate with you? So, Lord, I thank you for the people in this place. I thank you, God, because I know you're working in their lives, God. And I know it's a struggle. God, we've all been there. And, uh, Lord, I pray that they would know that they're in a safe place. That this is heaven on earth. God, and you want to meet them here. And this message was for them. I pray, God, that the Israel inside of them would rise up that the past would not be an anchor in their lives anymore, that they would feel free enough to step into what you have for them, to grab a hold of the calling that you have for them and to give you a second chance, Lord, or maybe even a third chance. And for some, maybe just try Jesus for the first time. We thank you, Lord, for the people. Lord, and if also, if there's anybody that has a specific need this morning, maybe somebody's sick in your family, or you need prayer, you're going through something, and you just need that, that connection, that fellowship, that someone to pray with you and agree on the same thing, you are, you are more than welcome to come this morning. The altar workers are ready, and as we, we step into a time of worship, you will have that, that time to come this morning. Have your way, Holy Spirit.